Welcome to Dan O'Man, season two. So we've spent a lot of time talking about how to win the boot camp. How do you show up appropriately in the QBR? Uh, and then we talked a lot about managing up. And when you think about managing up, Matt, you know, there's always a time in someone's career, and I don't care if you're in sales, accounting, customer success. I think the idea of the micromanager, uh, it's almost kind of like the the Grim Reaper. He doesn't discriminate <laughs> on age. It's the house nobody wants to go to on Halloween. <laughs> right. Like it exists in every profession, I think, the micromanager. It's really important that when we kick this episode off is we define what a micromanager is and what a micromanager isn't. Because there are times where you may think you're being micromanaged, but they're just asking you to do your job because they have a boss too, right? A micromanager is, there's like three different types and it's all in reaction to what's happening above them and inside of them. So there are micromanagers that will do the obvious in terms of what a definition of a micromanager is, is they're just like on you about all the next steps. They interject themselves into the next steps. Sometimes they'll do the next steps and then do three or four steps and then hand it back to you, which is the equivalent of running two legs in a four-leg race and not sharing the strategy with the last two people because you just ran the first two, right? It breaks the coordination and it just creates awkwardness. So those are, that's the obvious micromanager. The The less obvious one is the one that takes like microaggressions towards the individual and actually attacks them based on skill set. It could be, it's like an, an unrequested mentorship into how you should do things, <laughs> which is a little bit less obvious. And then third is somebody who's so far over their skis that they're they're trying to gain control, right? So you can be a micromanager and actually be fit for the role and know how to do it, but you just can't give up control. The other one is like you are unfit for the role over your skis. And the only way you can create sanity is by trying to control everything, which actually creates absolute chaos and more stress. And there's probably more, but those are just the three that I've worked with. Yeah. I, I like how you broke those out into three personas of the micromanager. And I agree, I've had a number of different variations of that in my career. I, I like the first one uh, where you talked a little bit about the two-legged race and a four-legged race. There's times where in my sales career, I've had that diminisher effect where that particular manager did a lot of the work and then they expected me to conform to whatever pitch style they had or they expected me to kind of pick up where they began. And I don't know about you, Matt, and I think we work very similar, is we're, we tend to be chameleons. So if they put us in a box that we don't necessarily operate in really well, now we're kind of operating at our worst work, right? Because they put us in either, hey, this is how we're going to pitch a particular deck. This is how I want you to respond to a particular customer. Uh, the worst is when they already have a relationship with the account, and then they give you the account. So they never really let go of the second two legs of that relationship. You ever been in that scenario before? A hundred percent. Yeah. I re think of one right now, just being in the car, driving out to a meeting and I've got four hours in the call with, in the car with a leader. As we get into the parking lot, he pulls up the deck and he's like, we got to change these. I'm like, well, you got to remember now what the slides look like. It's what I'm going to say over them. And I've got a story that I'm going to tell. He goes, no, 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 no. We've got to do this. So he starts changing everything. This is like 10 minutes before we we're walking in and he does all that. And he goes, okay, this is what you're going to say here, here, and here. And I'm like, I don't work like that. I have to have the themes and the story, and then I'll do it all off the cuff. That's just when I do my best work. If you try to get me to recite lines that you said that don't come out of my head naturally, I just sound like a bumbling idiot. So 
<laughs> got up in front of this in this meeting and I couldn't do it. I couldn't present what he wanted me to present. So I clicked over his slides and kept mine because I'm like, I, I'm either going to bomb the meeting or get yelled at in the car. So what's a technique for our listeners there? So I've also been in that scenario too, where I, I sometimes take a passive aggressive approach where if I'm not going into a meeting 10 minutes before the meeting, I use this line when they insert themselves and, and try to have you do something unnaturally. I always say good feedback. So, oh, that's great feedback. And then I just go on and do whatever I was going to do that's made me successful. And a lot of times, micromanagers, they they will give you all of this kind of feedback or what they want you to do, but then they forget that they even gave you that. And if they come back and say, I thought we agreed to change this slide or I thought we agreed you were going to say this. Sometimes I say, well, no, I took the feedback. I said it was great feedback, but I didn't say I was going to implement all of it, right? So I think that's like one thing I've done. And sometimes it backfires. Nothing's a silver bullet. What are some other things you've done, maybe in that scenario, or or, or even the example I used at the beginning, when that particular manager has had that relationship for a year or two, how do you kind of release the grip of how they want to manage the account because they were either the AE before they were the manager or now they're the manager and AE left and they kind of feel like they know the account better than you. Yeah, the answer probably depends on where you're at in your career. If you've been doing it for 20 years, you can use your experience and success as a as logic as to well, how you came to that conclusion and on how you want to proceed forward. If you don't, you need to make sure that your story's tight. Bunch of logic behind why you put together the sequence of whether it be slides or how your talk track or how you've orchestrated the team internally around a motion to get something done. As long as you've got your story, a good leader should empower you to go about your path. Now, not all micromanagers are bad leaders either. Right. So they just sometimes they just have like this one flaw that gets in the way. I think you've got to have your story tight. You've got to have a reasoning. You've got to be willing to push back in a very respectable way. I've said this before in the past to leader is like you're trying to help me learn from the mistakes you've made in the past and the mistakes that you've made in the past have helped you develop into the person you are today. If I don't go through some of that same rough water and learn from my mistakes, I'll never be as sharp as you are. Now, stop that sentence. We all know that people can give us feedback, guidance, make recommendations. We're You and I are both parents. We tell our kids all day, don't touch that, it's hot. Don't touch that, it's hot. They touch it. And once they touch it, they understand that it's hot. Although they should have understood it when I told them 10 times, right? It's the same thing in every aspect of our lives. So a good leader has got to be willing to let you fail and then round out the story at the end. Have that moment of vulnerability with your leader nine times out of 10. That should resonate with them in some capacity. I love that. And I want our listeners to understand this. If, if you feel like you have a micromanager and, and if they're a good leader and there's other areas where you think that you can learn from them, I think it's just really important to just have a frank conversation with them, right? Be transparent with them and say, you know, I need to kind of build up some of these battle scars so, so that I can find my way as, as a seller. My job is to take the best of you leader, right? And take the best of me. And I can't do that until I fail a little bit. So I, I love that approach. As a technique, some sellers can do is mirror. Best leaders I've ever had, I would mirror them, right? So if they had a certain way they would open a meeting or end a meeting or they had a certain talk track, I would try to mirror it with my own style. Most leaders will know that you're taking some things from them if they're good leaders. If they're a true micromanager, think what you do is remember what they say. So you could say, hey, I really liked 
how you open that meeting there. And I learned a lot from that. I'm going to start taking some things. So if you make that micromanager aware that you're actually doing some of the things they're asking you to do, whether it's a mirror or, hey, I really liked how you framed that email. I'm actually going to use this and kind of keep that dialogue going, then they're going to feel valuable. Because they're going to start to understand that they are getting through to you a little bit. Let's talk about this, Matt. What about the hardcore micromanager? Just one more statement on on that. I, I love what you said when you wanted to combine the best of you and your leader in terms of your approach. Another way of saying that is like, I love what you're saying. And I'm following your lead on more than half of this. But what I want to do is leave a little room for me still. And that's really hard to argue with that statement from a leadership perspective when likely that leader has been in your shoes as well. And there should be some humbleness there. I think that's powerful. I think there's also going to be some people listening that says, no, that's not going to work. He or she is a tyrant. I walk in and I am just, my whole mood changes as soon as I get on the train on the way to work or that one-on-one that I'm going to have with that particular leader. Because Either personality styles don't match, working styles don't match. But let's talk about some tactics for people that have the hardcore micromanager. I'll, I'll lead with a couple examples, and I want you to add some color here too, Matt. You kind of nailed it right there. We just gave you the romance novel approach to how you might circumnavigate the micromanager. There are a ton more tactics, and there's and there's different gears and levers that you have to have as an AE. So let's get into those. It's a great point. Yeah, because I, I think we gave the perfect scenario with mature leaders and mature sellers. But let's face it, you're, you might be an SMB rep or a mid-market rep or even a BDR, SDR, and you got a manager that's treating you like a child, right? And, and it's driving you crazy. Um, so some of the things that, that I did early in my career, like I'd be in a cycle and I'd have a manager literally ask me every day, did you call the customer? What did they say? You know, what's what's the next step on the account? And if you have Salesforce, you're putting those next steps every day in there. So that micromanager's micromanaging you physically. And when I say physically, like in the same room or same space, but they're not checking the next steps in Salesforce. They're not checking the next stage. They're not checking the fact that they're on the calendar invite Wednesday with you when you're talking to the customer. So it's kind of that forgetful micromanager who needs to kind of say what the first thing that comes to their mind, right? So one of the techniques I use is when they ask, hey, did you send the proposal to the customer yet? Like we talked about. And I would typically would say, is this something you want me to do now? Is this something you want me to stop what I'm doing now and do now? And it's not, a lot of times they'll say no and say, well, can I have till Friday to get that out, right? And if they say yes, and they ask you on Tuesday, did you send that out to the customer? You could come back and say, I thought we agreed I would have that out by Friday, right? So I think if you can set boundaries and timelines of if they ask you to do something in the moment, ask if that's something that needs to be done now, and should you stop what you're doing now to get that task done, or can it wait later in the week? So I think that's one thing that creates some boundaries. Another technique I use, I tell young sellers, you always got to keep a couple of days your deal between the micromanager. So if the micromanager is like, why haven't we talked to them yet? Do we have a mutual action plan in place? Which to me, those are all important steps in the cycle. If your manager's not holding you accountable to those steps, then they're not a good leader either. Would you agree? Yeah, I think the I think from an AE's perspective and from a leader's perspective, the having alignment on what healthy communication looks like. And if you can't get that alignment, you have to empower yourself to sort of manage your leader three or four days out 
to give yourself that space. And if you can effectively do that, your leader will just really never see you coming, you know, and, and it creates and it, you've you've created a little bit of a bubble around you to buy yourself some margin. Yeah, I, it reminds me of a story when you talk about communication styles. I remember I was on an actual negotiation call with a customer. So I was on the floor and I'm talking about the terms and conditions and the pricing. And my leader was just so happened to sit right next to me and he was coaching me saying, now say this. Okay. No, no, no. Make sure you ask him this. And I remember I had like him in my left ear and I had the client in my right ear and I'm trying to listen to both. And he's literally telling me what he wants me to say. And I put my finger up and I said, I put the mute on the phone. I said, stop it. I don't like that. And I remember it caused, like we got off the phone and I remember it caused this huge blow up after the call. And like, you want to know what I don't like? I don't like, and it went into every problem he had with me. The way I diffused it, because it was a micromanaged moment. I don't, he was definitely not a micromanager, but it was a micromanaged moment. And what I said to him was at the end of the call, I said, listen, obviously you have, this deal's important to you in the region, kind of, because you don't know what the customer's saying on the other end, right? You're just coaching me, but you don't know what the customer's thinking, what the customer's saying. Can we take some time to talk through that? Because I feel like if you have both sides of the story, I think you'll feel more comfortable in how you can forecast this to your leadership, right? So I think it's always important to kind of take that pause, try to understand where it's coming from uh, in terms of that empathy card, because sometimes you're being micromanaged because they're being micromanaged, right? They're, they're being asked to do some really tough things that they're, that's not in their character to do. Yeah. I think you just kind of to name that, it's almost like a lack of curiosity as to what is someone done to make you angry. Because it would be upon your leader to ask the question like, hey, what did they say before I get feedback? Like, how did the conversation go from your perspective? So like gaining that feedback before you just start to throw up. I see more micromanager earlier in my career versus latter. And that might be maturity from a leadership standpoint. And as we've moved up segments, you know, and that's not to say I haven't had great leaders early in my career. There are some people that are just naturally fantastic at that. You know, you almost want to put this on ourselves. Like you and I have been in leadership before. We've probably been accused of micromanaging in some aspect, and maybe we have. And I, you know, it certainly wasn't my intended approach. But there were there were things that I probably got too invested in. I'm sure even the people we worked for. So, like from our perspective and from a like an independent contributor standpoint, got to remember that there's a good chance that your leader is a good human and isn't trying to micromanage you. Just maybe they haven't been given the feedback either. So sometimes the direct approach of saying like, I really feel like I'm getting micromanaged, which is the most obvious, probably less dressed way of handling it. The reason I feel that is because of this. It may not be intentional, but that's how, that's the position it's putting me in. And it's impacting me in these areas. And one of them is my ability to be creative. One is my ability to be confident in what I'm running. And the third is my ability to actually remain engaged. And the output of that is I really can't perform as best for you. So maybe what you're doing was working for some other people on the team, but it doesn't work for me. And we all know from a leadership standpoint that you can't manage everybody the same. There has to be different motions put in place for different types of styles, attitudes, whatever it might be. Um, I think that's a healthy conversation as well. As long as you just, you got to not get angry. The feedback you get isn't what you want to hear. Back to like networking internally and making sure that you've got a strong brand and some of the other things that we've talked about on different podcasts, you do those things right. You create options for yourself. And sometimes you need to pull that option parachute and it's time to find a new leader. Maybe within the same company. It's not always time to leave the company, but it might be time to find a new leader. You said a lot of great insights in there, Matt, that I want to unpack. I think the first thing that I really like that you said is how do you just address it 
say, hey, I really feel like I'm being micromanaged. I think it's a tough conversation. You got to have, I think, a little bit of confidence in your own abilities, right? Because you got to defend that because that leader is going to feel like, whoa, no one wants to be called a micromanager. So you got to be able to defend that. Uh, but I think if you do it in a way that speaks to, hey, I want to give you my best work in terms of be creative, stay engaged, and I need to overcome this feeling that I have with you. And I think that's really a really great insight there and unpack. The second thing that I really like that you said is if you do it long enough and you do good work uh, and you network, you will outlast that micromanager. Because if they truly are a micromanager, people are not going to want to work for them. They're not going to get the long-term results that a sales leader needs to thrive in an organization, right? And I think eventually you're going to find another team or another leader or another another group to go work with that aligns with your values where that micromanager may stay a BDR manager, an SMB manager, or a mid-market manager, and they never truly grow. Because the third thing that you said that I'd like to unpack is you said as you go up segment, you you actually do encounter less micromanagers. And I think that's really true for me too. As I've gotten in my career, I would say large enterprise to enterprise, you see it less, but there is a different style of micromanager. So they may not be the task micromanager, but they're the diminisher. And I think there's a form of micromanagement where, A, they don't agree with your strategy in the account, but they're not as close to the account as you are. And that's on you as a seller. You got to make sure your leadership is walking with you. But talk to a little bit about the types of micromanagement you might see at the enterprise level that's stealth micromanagement. I think there's, I think some of this happens subconsciously for leaders. And I've seen it with myself in the way that you try to give coy guidance. And you're like, now, if I would, if it was me, I would go about it this way. And then I would tell him to do this. And by the way, make sure and CC me on all that. Right. And it's almost a, you're trying to pretend like these are things the person you're talking to has never heard before, but you know, if they, because they've likely been around as long as you have. And if you've got 20 years of experience or 30 or 10, you know, you start to hear a lot of the same stuff. So when you hear it, you're just like, I don't believe what you're saying is genuine, you know, and that's a, that's a stealth form of, of micromanagement. And sometimes it's because that person doesn't feel, feel empowered enough around what you're doing and they don't feel like they've got enough awareness. So they're, they're just like, I want to provide some value here. And you're not giving me what I need back. Like you're not telling me the, the right story. So I'm going to just start to tell you what I think you should do based on the limited information I have to try to be valuable for you. And that has the, all the positive intentions in it. And I see a lot of that in the enterprise. Right. There's always this insecurity if you don't build enough trust. And I think with the manager who turns into a micromanager, if you don't give them a job or a role, I think especially in the enterprise space, then their insecurity is, I'm going to be asked how I'm involved in this deal. I'm going to be asked how I'm helping drive the deal. I'm going to be asked what relationships I own. And you as a seller, if you don't give a little bit of that, then that that leader is going to turn into a micromanager because they need to insert themselves because they're going to be held accountable, right? And it goes back to what we talk a lot about, Matt, is there's kind of this self-funnel, family funnel, career funnel, right? And I think you got to make sure your self-funnel is full, right? You got to be secure in your own skin as a seller that, listen, not all feedback's bad feedback. Not all feedback is, is a gap in your sales process. Not all feedback that your manager gives you is a micromanaged type feedback. I think if you're comfortable in your own skin and you know you're good, right? I think there's 
you have to be open to some of that. And, and you got to use your gut to be like, is this person trying to manage me out? Is this person trying to document my gaps? Then, and then, then you know that's leaning more towards either they're pushing you out of the business or they're micromanaging you versus truly trying to make you a better professional. Because even at the enterprise space, you can always learn a new trick, right? And I think if your self funnel's full and, you, and, and you're doing all the right things in terms of, you know, taking care of yourself, making sure that you're showing up to work the right, the right way, uh, maybe that micromanager isn't a micromanager. Maybe that micromanager just wants you to give them a role, right? So that they, everyone can be successful. So, yeah, I think that this is maybe where it gets a little bit of a, there's some introspective work that has to be done from a listener's perspective. Cause it's all about your mindset and how you view that feedback. So it's like, if you get a text from somebody and it says, not going to be there, sorry, that can sound kind of like, dude, they just don't care. They're going to be there. Right. Cause there's no context. You don't hear the tone in their voice. You don't see, you know, like, Hey, I can't be there. I'm so sorry. It's the same words, right? but it, it changes the, you know, how you say it. So, so if we perceive that feedback as being an attack and we are the victim of that attack, you are going to be micromanaged by everybody because everyone's going to appear like a micromanager. So you have to do some real and internal discussion on, am I perceiving this in a fair and just way? And is this person really out to attack me? Or are they really here to to help make me better? And am I willing to be made better? There's another good thing. So back to your point around perspective mentality is shaped by the way that you view the rest of the things in your life. You aren't whole as a person, a self-perspective funnel, a family funnel. You're going to kind of take the things that aren't right and bring them into these other contexts and they're going to have an influence on how you see those things. So there's a lot of learning to be done outside of work that'll train the way that you see how the things are happening to you at work. And I think it's really important for leaders and sellers alike to remember, unless you are physically selling medical equipment that goes into the surgery environment, into a medical center that minute, you are not curing cancer. And what we are doing is really not that important. And I understand that three or four levels above you, these might be very important initiatives and every deal matters. We've all heard it and they do, but not at the cost of everything else. So you've got to remember what's important three levels above you doesn't have to be as important to you. It doesn't mean that it's not something you're aware of and you're, and you're, you're assisting, but it can't have the same impact on you as it does at multiple levels of, uh, above you because they're directing, right? And they have to shed light and create focus on the things that they want to happen downstream. If it doesn't happen, it isn't as consequential as it might seem. And if you put that weight on yourself, it'll change the way that you act with a customer and the way that you act with your leader and the way you perceive sort of the full circle of that of those relationships. Matt, I really like how you rounded that out. I think you're giving our listeners a little bit of a taste of where Dan Matt's going to go in season three, which talks about how do you become a complete seller from yourself, your family, your career? Because I think all of those are tied. I know all of those are tied to become really, I think, a complete sales professional. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and close this episode out of the micromanager. Matt, why don't you go ahead and leave us with a little bit of wisdom? I work best under strict micromanagement. Author? No one ever.